Well, here we are at uh, Spring One Platform 2018. You want to introduce yourself real quick? Sure. Uh, my name is Kyle Campos. Uh, I lead continuous delivery at Smarsh and previously at a uh, large insurance company. Now, now, we just had some, some crab cakes. Yes. Now, would you describe that as a roll that we had it on, a mm. sandwich? You're not, you're, you're like me, you're from the West. Yeah. So this is an issue I always have is like you got rolls, you got hoagies, didn't subs, feel like a sandwiches. Roll to me. Yeah, but you, okay. Didn't feel like a roll. What would you call a roll? I needed a little, a little more height uh-huh. on the, the bread itself. This was pretty flat, so it was, it was more like a crab cake torta to me. Oh. <laughs> maybe a, maybe a, a untoasted panini. <laughs> yeah. Can you have a panini that's untoasted? I should look this up. <laughs> or is it the toasting that makes the panini? It probably is the, me- the toasting mechanism, because that's a panini press. Yeah, because otherwise it's just a sandwich. Or it would be an unpressed panini. Huh, huh. Well, there you go. Well, you have a... That's for your other podcast, <laughs> Sandwiches Today. <laughs> That's it. Let me write that down. Uh, maybe there's a dot sandwiches domain name. But uh, so you have a talk tomorrow. Uh, yes. And, and I assume it's an evolution of the, the, the one you've given before, right? Yes. <laughs> I, I like that yeah, look, yeah. look on your face. <laughs> so so what, what's the talk going to be over? So it's essentially around the... Con- uh, the collision of continuous delivery meeting traditional change management processes, um, namely ITS, ITSM in the crosshairs for this this one. So the sort of uh, historical pattern of how we get stuff from an engineer's laptop in the production and then what happens when platforms like PCF come along and just kind of throw healthy fuel to the velocity fire and healthy then like fuel. deal with this now yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know um, so yeah how to how to manage that and then also I guess the the uh, the twist on this talk will be last time when I gave it I was I was more kind of pleading with people to to believe me about uh-huh. like like continuous delivery of pipelines and like that there's there's a way forward here guys that we know we should be you know you don't have to panic it's more a plea. And now there's been a lot of data that's come out that, you know, certainly I didn't author um, that that says I'm not crazy. And uh, so now this will be a little bit more like dancing on the grave than it, of, of uh, ITSM than it would have been, like <laughs> pleading with others to, like, say, believe me. Now I'm just like, yep, yeah, it's just fact. Well, well be, being a grave dancer as it yes. were. Yes. Like, uh, you, you, remember, you remember that scene in the beginning from Blade Runner where he's like, tell yeah. me only the good things about your mother? So so tell me, that without having to shoot me, Okay. so tell me the good things about ITSM. Uh, well, I mean, I think the outcomes of it are admirable. I mean, we, we don't want production breaking. We want some measure of control. Uh, we want some assurance that things will uh, behave in quality ways. Um, so, I mean, you're not going to really come across any of the outcomes and be like, oh, that's a, that was totally, like, ill-conceived. Yeah. It's just how you effectively get there and and whether or not any or many of the processes of ITSM actually deliver on the outcomes is um, highly debatable. Um, yeah, I mean, to interrupt you, like, I, and, and, and thinking about, uh, thinking about the, the last version of your talk I saw, 
it sort of like it reminded me of a of a conflict I always have in my head of I guess it's a baby and bathwater thing of like yeah. uh, is is uh, is something like I t- I tell ITSM's easier yeah. to say yeah is something like ITSM bad because it doesn't work or because people suck <laughs> right and yeah. now now there's a third option which is it's bad because people suck. Like, which is yeah, to say, yeah. it, it right. should have structured itself such that it could account for people suck, sucking. But, yeah. but on the other hand, it also makes me. It also makes me wonder, like maybe the problem is, as an ITSM advocate yeah. would say, they're not actually doing ITSM. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think. I mean, I think it's a natural tendency, regardless of framework, that you get that the principles or outcomes get too prescriptive over time, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you, you can, I can mm-hmm. imagine continuous, continuous delivery ending up the same way. So, you know, in my talk, I might reference pipelines in a kind of specific way, um, implementation-wise, and then people could, like, say, that's the way continuous delivery should look, and then that becomes the continuous delivery paradigm that yeah. none shall violate. And then somebody, you know, the next iteration, somebody's going to come. Well, there's actually a better way of doing this. So I think it's just kind of the natural outcome of getting distracted from the outcomes, getting overly prescriptive on how you execute on them, and then you just get rigid frameworks that can't adapt to technical, you know, churn and and just advancement, innovation. That can't it can't deal with that. The framework is too rigid. So so. so you need you need the framework to be. what would be the word? It's probably fresh, not generative, but it needs to be able to evolve itself and have almost have that learning mechanism built into it. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I, I the last time I read ITEL stuff was like version two, and I think they're on version can, five or something now. Can't imagine it's much different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've yeah. read it. That's great. Yeah, well, I read one. I read one of the books. <laughs> it's because I worked at BMC a long time ago, so we just had these books like floating around. And, uh, yeah, and I, I wanted to know, like, what is the big deal with all this stuff? So I read through it, and it seemed fine. But, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it does It does make me wonder, like, we've almost seen, I don't know what we means, but in the DevOps world, yeah. there's this frequent argument between DevOps and no-ops. Mm-hmm. And, and I, think, I think maybe the no-ops people have learned they should just not talk. <laughs> <laughs> Because the argument hasn't come up very much, yeah. but like more and more, like what, like the idea that I would have an operations person on a product team is not quite as crystal clear as the DevOps name would say. Right, right. right. Yeah. I, I mean, it, what experience do you have with like that kind of? I'm going to have like three developers and two ops people. Yeah. Does um, that actually happen? So, I mean, there's there's some current instincts I would have around that based off of you know the the app team or the product that is at hand but you know following my own advice about not getting too prescriptive about it um, I think that it is it does seem to be a a sort of ephemeral solution for something you want to just kind of push off the table of concerns you're like yeah we're attacking it with people that are doing it in a you know reasonably modern approach and doing the best they can and god knows in engineering we're only doing the best we can at a given moment with what we yeah, yeah, you yeah. know frameworks and technology sets we have so i'm 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 fine with it i do like present day i do think embedded devops people is a you know at least an iteration better than uh, you know, 
two different, you know, an app dev team that throws over the wall to DevOps people, which isn't really any better than throwing it over the wall to ops people. Yeah. <clears throat> so I do think, you know, sort of small, agile teams that it, as long as it, there is no external team that uh, prevents you from getting from your local environment to production, that's really all that really matters to me. Like, I don't yeah. want external dependencies. Other people saying, nope, I'm blocking that. If they, if, if they have the authority to do that, then they need to get in with, sit in with the team and get that, yeah. get that concern pushed as far left as possible. So that's kind of the guiding principle, and then how that that org structure works out across the uh, the company, I guess, really depends on the, the product. Yeah, yeah, and maybe that's like the the structural issue with ITSM and ITEL or whatever yeah. stuff is. I mean, this is a, the, the, the snarky, uh, imprecise, unhelpful way of saying it, but it assumes that it should exist. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, or, or, you know, from what you were saying, that instead what we should focus on in, in as they would say, service delivery. Mm. I mean, that's service, yeah. that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> service is an interesting it's a problem. Having, like, almost had an English degree, you think about words too much. Right, right. Service is a very telling choice of words. Right. So anyways... Uh, the point of service delivery is to figure out how you can have the developers do it all on their own. And yep. developers is a loose term, but yep. to have the product team yep. do it all on their own without needing to put a request in. Yep. Basically right. removing dependencies, which yep. which that, that, to me, that's sort of like a, uh, uh, you know, non-grave dancing <laughs> version yeah, yeah. Of, of what's wrong with ITSM. It's just that, like, it's just too much. Yeah. Like, you don't need that. You can put something else in place yeah. that does that whole delivery of, yeah. of software for you. I mean, that's kind of, you know, the dream of a, of a PaaS is to facilitate that. Right? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I agree. Like, that's the outcome that I want to see developed. Now, interestingly enough, having been through this journey a couple times... It's weird when you get pushback on that from those teams, depending on how baked into old delivery models. Like the application teams? Or? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've experienced it for sure where you're like, you guys are going to get all the, the control responsibility. Don't worry about all these other folks. you got it all. <clears throat> and with that comes some responsibility, right? Yeah and, yeah. and sometimes it's not attractive to that team, and they don't really want to... They, they're like, hey, the, the old paradigm, I just, my unit test passed nice. or whatever, and or yeah. maybe they don't even have unit tests. I threw it to this QA guy, and I slept all night, and I don't even see ops problems in production. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah. even know how it's running in production. And that can be appealing to certain uh, app teams. So um, I think it's... it's. I think sometimes we kid ourselves that everybody is aligned to the dream of... Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. delivers. Um, but I do think at the end of the day, it's sort of, if we go back to outcome alignment and business value, if the business sees value in higher velocity, higher quality de de deployments, right. all that type, type of stuff, you know, day two overhead crushed, all that type of stuff, well, then you get a little bit more top-down pressure on app teams that don't that are enjoying their sleep too much or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, was, I was telling you over those uh, not roles, yep. as it were, were like, uh, I, I remember when, when that, the, 
this is like in 2004 when Scrum was introduced in the programming group I was at. I was like, I was the kind of person to be self-aggrandizing who had like, you know, a bookshelf full of like agile books and I was right. just like excited yes. to like go do it. And I remember, I forget how old I must have been then, in my, in my early 20s and I was like, uh, I don't understand why everyone's not super jazzed yeah. out of their mind to right. do this. Like finally, <laughs> we're getting to do this thing. But it, it was it was interesting to like see that actually people aren't interested in that. Yeah. <laughs> or, or not even that. They're not interested in changing how they do things. Which so so like that's something else we were talking about is like how I mean this often falls under the description of changing culture yeah. or whatever, which like I was explaining to you I have uh, difficulty figuring out what to say about it yeah. in, a, in a concise helpful way but like what how do you I don't know how do you go about changing that culture or yeah. let me not, not front load it too much if someone's reluctant to do things in a new way yeah. what do you do with them like how do you work with them yeah so I think being clear about the the end state the vision outcomes that we're driving towards uh-huh. like if there's already philosophical misalignment like I don't want the future you want that's that's important to call out up front and easy to deal with up front much harder to deal with as you get like if f- competing forces yeah, are at yeah. work you really don't want that like you can get in a room draw up the vision and like here's here's the future we all good with that yes now when the challenge comes in the implementation, I think that's easier to deal with, and that's and actually I, I I think it's probably healthier that there is a lot of challenge in that in that implementation. Um, so I'd say deal with it ahead of time if it's philosophical. Then there's no other way but to just get in the trenches after that. If it's no, we agree philosophically. Let's see how it works. Um, I think identifying. Um, so if, if I have a working premise that culture, it's, it's there's a lot of great definitions of culture, but my working premise will be that culture is the collective instincts, like what people naturally do or want to do. Um, uh, instincts are, 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 at least in engineering, in large parts of life are learned. Um, right. Uh, we weren't born... Uh, not writing unit tests. Oh, I guess we were born not writing unit tests. We certainly weren't born writing them. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, no one is born liking mayonnaise on their french fries, but if you spend enough time around it, right. that's yeah, all you yeah, want yeah. on your french fries. <laughs> exactly. So we're developing tastes, as it were, to continue that metaphor. We need to develop tastes for the right that put us on a trajectory towards that vision that we laid out up yeah. front. So you develop tastes uh, by forcing habitual change so you were doing you're you're eating this today tomorrow we're going to eat this and every day the same thing over and over until you sort of metabolize it and then you crave it right um and the idea inside of that was that you you find enjoyment and people will demand more of what they enjoy i mean that's just the reality of people They become self-motivated yeah it's what drive and not not only will they demand it, they'll work better. They'll create better products yeah, yeah. when they love it, right? Um, so I think at that point, it's you start the filtering becomes um, who's who's doing this out of compulsion and who's doing it out of joy now. And mm-hmm. I think the the work and the products and the the good work 
gravitates towards those who will who are doing it out of joy, right? And they're like, right, hey, right. this is not only do I know this is good for me, it's what I enjoy doing. The folks that are like, I reluctantly believe it's better for us, but I really hate doing it. You know, you gotta. I mean, that's where in the trenches the filtering kind of happens. Like, okay, well, maybe yeah, yeah. not a good fit for this project or this whatever. There's plenty of places that do it the other way. And do you think there's a? Well, you seem like an optimistic person, so I think I know the answer mm, to this. But do you, yeah. do you think there's enough like uh, joy and work to go around for all the work that needs to be done? I don't see why not. We're all. Like, the robots haven't won yet. <laughs> Close. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I, as you were talking, I was thinking, like, you know, back to ITSM, there's always some poor person who has to, like, reset passwords. And, like, like who wants who wants to be on the, you know, the wrong side of the, the help desk resetting passwords? But then right. I was thinking, like, yeah, but no, no, you just automate that because no yeah. one wants to reset passwords, yeah. right? Like. Yeah. So, so then, like now, the no password security people are coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> yeah. I told you that was. It. <laughs> and, and so it almost seems like the that question of like, is there enough? Is there enough people who enjoy their work to fill the need? Is yeah. like, well, if there's something that someone doesn't want to do, you should automate it, right? Like, there probably is no reason that a person should manually be doing. It. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be cheap enough, and it's not going to be done at a high enough degree of quality that you shouldn't just like. Yeah either not do it yeah. <laughs> or automate it somehow. And I, I think, I mean, I think efficiency is always one reason to automate something, but hatred is a great motivator too. <laughs> like, I hate doing that. And I, I mean, yeah. me as a, you know, at a engineering leader, I'm totally fine with that justification. Like, yeah, I don't want you to hate doing work. So, I mean, if yeah. that's particularly painful, then let's n- not do it again. Um, and this, this idea that you're talking about of, uh, Part of like cultural change is working with your organization to build up habits. Yeah. Like that, I think that's an interesting tactical approach because it's well on on the one hand because it's doable because I think the engineering of habits is well understood. Yeah. I mean I'm no sociologist so I don't know yeah. if it's all like valid science or whatever but there's a lot of <laughs> manuals <laughs> out there of like this is how you build up habits and how you yeah. do things and and then it also seems like intuitively it seems like it works right like most everyone has gone through like trying to build up a habit of doing something and and i think what's interesting about building up habits like and all it's the habits we all experience well usually all of us experience are trying to be healthier yeah yeah. it's like it's really easy for you to figure out like well i'm just not trying hard enough yeah (laughs) Yeah, like you know exactly what needs to happen and, and yeah so it's pretty clear that I mean, I guess you just have to figure out what the habit is you want to build up. Yeah, and there's a, you know, there's a initial sort of hill to climb where it is very, it's a little bit more grueling. I mean, we talked a little bit about the exercise, you know, um, metaphor where it's like, you know, if you're an unhealthy person, you're like, well, I, I know vision-wise I need to be a healthier person for whatever motivating factors. That first week of exercise, you're gonna really not want to get up on day two and three. You're like, yeah, I don't want to do that. But you know, everybody that's gone through that will say, after week three or four, you're like, I don't even really have to think about it. It's that I just yeah. do it now, and actually, my body starts craving it because it's you know, uh, I'm also not trained in really anything, so I don't know the science <laughs> behind this either, but. <laughs> <laughs> your body will start craving that type of activity, and so you yeah, enjoy yeah. it. You're like, I love going for a run now. I used to hate it, right? But now, yeah, I like it. it's. I mean, to demetaphorize it, like sometimes Thank people you. suggest uh, 
that like you should just ship one line of code. Like you should try to apply all the stuff by finding like I don't know, change the color of the print button yeah, yeah. and see what see what it takes to actually ship that one line, which maybe is kind of like that that first week of exercise where like it sounds really stupid, yeah. right? Like we're going to ship one line of code, so there's not much of a result. Yeah. And it's also it turns out it's going to be really difficult. But then like the next week, maybe you can ship two lines, yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then the week after that, ten lines. And so it is just like, I mean, I imagine maybe that's another part of how you kind of manage change through is to say like it's okay. All we're going to do is ship one line of code. Yeah. Like let's just do that. Like no, yeah. and you can screw that up too. <laughs> and, I, and I think we just got to figure that out. That's one of the things that. I think uh, complex change management systems rob you of as an engineer. You mm. don't get to sort of feel uh, uh, the gratification of getting code in production. Like accomplishment. Like, like, yeah, you don't get it. Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. You know, or it's so disconnected from you, you don't even know when it happened or if it happened at yeah. all. Um, and... That's why that I think your approach about the one line is important because once an engineer sort of gets that and they taste it, then they're like, it's kind of like air to them. Like, I, I, I want to see my code land there, and if it doesn't get there, I feel robbed of yeah, yeah. my valuable yeah. time and effort. You know, nobody wants to feel that way. But when you're used to not having it, that's back to my point. Some app teams kind of reject yeah. the paradigm shift. It's because they've kind of existed so long without even seeing that yeah, happen. Yeah. They don't know what to miss. Yeah, if you're shipping like 5,000 lines of code, like who cares if some of them don't get there, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, but yeah. if you only got that one, you can like own it a lot more, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's like you got to take that first taste of mayonnaise on a French fry. And you'll be fine. And then you <laughs> do, do you like mayonnaise on your French fries? I do. I like. I like mayonnaise. Yeah, I don't. There's people who don't like. I've. I've always yeah, like. Don't trust them. I don't. I don't understand. I mean, mayonnaise is like. I, mayonnaise is one of those things that if you think about it too yeah. long, it starts to get disgusting. But just don't think about it. No, yeah, it's yeah, delicious. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so then so then the, the last thing I wanted to ask you about in. Uh, you know, I, I remember you introducing yourself at some point of like you did uh, like digital transformation or change management or something, yeah. and you're like, I don't, I don't care what it's called as yeah, long yeah. as I get to like ship code. Yeah. yeah. And so, but, but like, what do you call that, right? Like, I struggle with this all the time. Is I've, I'm now I've I've swung back to just like I'm going to call it digital transformation until okay. someone tells me a better name. Okay. Right. But I I don't know if I, I don't know it, that even that doesn't seem right. But like, is it? What do you call all this stuff? Yeah, so when I first, to be honest, when the, the first time that I did it, maybe people were calling it digital. It sounded so... Yeah, weird, It huh? sounded like an alternate nerd universe. I'm like, <laughs> I've been doing software for a long time, and nobody says this. Yeah, yeah. Like, didn't HP buy that company a long <laughs> I know, time exactly. That's how I was like, people are really saying this? Yeah, yeah. It took me a while to like, I'm like, okay, I guess people are saying it, so I kind of got in but I mean it's um, when I when I write sort of the uh, charter out it's larger it's it's concisely uh, you know transforming the way we build deliver operate manage whatever software Um, and so it kind of touches everything Um, so it is a large transformative effort whether you want to call it DevOps or or I, I get 
I, I tend not to get into the semantic battles with people because I feel like I lose. Like I'm, I'm just gonna lose. Like someone's yeah, yeah, yeah. gonna argue better, and like yeah. I'm gonna lose the semantic battle. <laughs> like I don't know. I don't feel that strongly about it. So I guess I'm all right with the digital slash DevOps thing. But it is just a sort of comprehensive. Um, I definitely never called it agile though. That's one I've avoided. Um, yeah, yeah it, no, it's, it's hard because like I think. Because different, there are several groups of people who think about each of these phrases as in different ways. That that was that was no truer tautological statement than that. <laughs> but uh, like, like for example, I think there's a lot of people who would be happy just calling it all DevOps. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. which is not. I mean, I always think of DevOps as a subset of whatever all this stuff is, and then and then equally. You could conceivably call it like agile, yeah. But then agile is not is not a, it's another subset, <laughs> right? Like it's not the whole thing. And then and then there's silly terms like digital transformation. Yeah. And and after a while, it's just like I don't know what to call this stuff. Like yeah, it's uh, it's really vexing. And I, I mean, I, I I was thinking through this a while ago. Like I think the first time, the first many years, I heard digital transformation. I, I thought I assumed it meant like you know you're going from analog to digital. <laughs> no, that, that's right? kind of where I'm, I'm yeah, like, yeah. What do you guys do? Are you on typewriters? Is that yeah. why you hired me to fix? Which, which, you know, there's like uh, in Pivotal Land, there's this, you know, famous Air Force example where they went from a whiteboard to a computer and I was thinking like, bam, yeah, yeah. there's analog to digital. But, yeah. you know, just playing around with the phrase I've been thinking recently, it's not that you're going from analog to digital, it's that you're transforming how you do your digital stuff. Like, like you okay. were just going on, right? Like, we're tr- transforming the way we do these things over. Anyways. All right, I'm back in on digital I'm, I'm still not satisfied with any of that, but it is like, we've got to have a phrase. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and then, you know, software delivery, to me, is like a comprehensive phrase because it's like yeah, from yeah. engineer to production. I'm like, all right, I'm with that. But then there's also, um, then you're like, well, I'm with that as long as like product, de- like product it's not just software but like how we're dealing with our products is also yeah, exactly like and because pm is probably like okay that's your thing i'm, I'm yeah, over yeah, here. Yeah, like, yeah. No, no no you're in here too no, and i, I have a, <laughs> and even my my issue with delivery is more narrow because i think of that only as like an operations thing oh, okay. like yeah, i shouldn't say i think of it that way but delivery to me means like yeah. maybe not the creation of the software but I the delivery you. of it yeah, yeah. and even though I like that phrase a lot, software delivery sounds cool. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe one day we'll just go back to calling it like software. That that, that would be good. But sounds better. Right? I don't know. Because you know, I'm sure you've experienced this with coming up with talks. Yeah. Like you can't be like my experience with DevOps, Agile, yeah, digital know. transformation, whatever this thing is. <laughs> it's where the where it really kills me is when you gotta um, write your bio. Yes. Like, God, what have I been doing for the last? How do you, how do I even describe what I've been doing for the last you know yeah, decade? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like all I ever settle on. I mean, for that kind of thing is like basically, and and you'll immediately see why this is bad is improving custom written software. I mean, because that's basically what we're talking about, right? <laughs> like you're you're writing your own software. You're not installing some right. off the shelf. Mildly improving. <laughs> Yeah, so you're just you're just improving the way that you write yeah. your own write and run yeah. your own software, which yeah. doesn't really roll off the tongue. Yeah, yeah. I thought there was a Twitter rant, one of like like the bad bad phrasing for things, and what I've been doing over the last ten years. At some point, like full stack, oh, yeah, like, yeah. kind of came in. I'm like, and I 
some point it was like, yeah, yeah, that's what it, that's what it is, what, what I'm doing. And that's kind of like lingered, and I haven't really thought about it in a long time. And it's, then uh, uh, somebody went on this Twitter rant about like how stupid it is. And then I was like, yeah, that is a really stupid thing. I don't know. What am I, what am I, why, where is that on my LinkedIn profile? I'm an idiot for having it on there. I know barely anything. I don't know full stack of anything. <laughs> That's funny. Well, yeah, I mean, so I got to go delete that. It's full stack in the sense of like, you know, you don't, you don't worry about the silicon, silicon, right? There, like, so the, the stack, Okay. it's the full stack. I most guess that's stack. a referential. I'm going to put, put most stack. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Pretty much all of the stack, sort of. N minus one stack. Right. <laughs> of the things I care about, exactly. stack. <laughs> all right, well, if people wanted to, uh, I don't know, you, you got a Twitter account or anything like that? Yeah. What would you point people towards? To... The Twitters is probably the best. K-Compos, K-C-A-M-P-O-S. Twitter. All right. Well, great. Well, uh, thanks for being here. You're you're uh, you're from Phoenix. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm live most of my life in Austin. We're enjoying the drizzly weather. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll get on back to that. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. We'll see everyone next time.